0: Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz. My guest today is Kamal Sinclair, co-director of the New Frontier Lab at the Sundance Institute. Their mission is to support storytellers and technologists who are creating immersive experiences for new mediums. Also, I want to thank the organizers of Transforming Hollywood. It was an interesting event where I heard Kamal and many other great speakers discuss VR.
1: A lot of the times, we're also bringing in people that come from a, tr- a more traditional medium and helping them to translate the, the, their skill and their craftsmanship in that medium into these new technologies and find what is unique about telling story on these new platforms. So, some, some in c- some cases, like Roger Ross Williams, Oscar award-winning filmmaker, he came to the lab in 2012 with a fairly traditional idea for a documentary called Traveling While Black. And, you know, he came to the lab without really an, an idea of what the kind of innovative design might be, but putting him in the room with, you know, Nick Fortugno from Playmatics and putting him in the room with Dana Dancero from National Film Board of Canada's Interactive. And then all of a sudden these ideas started to percolate and and the, pro, the project, which is now starting to pull into production, Um, expanded into these really wonderful ways and now he's got exhibition at the Smithsonian coming up and you know ideas for game gamification of the story that's really exciting so we do take folks that are coming from a traditional background and help them to realize their vision if they have a strong story and they have a great kinda body of work and a a great um, they've established themselves as great storytellers. On the other side of that we also work with people that are more creative technologists that story may not be their first um, and entree into this world like a Morris May, who's an amazing VFX uh, you know artist and, and creative technologist, but it was isn't a writer and isn't a storyteller and we, we kind of matched him with Rose Truchet, and they were able to create the virtual reality experience perspective that we premiered at Sundance in 2015 where people are experiencing a date rape on a college campus from the perspective of, a, of the male and then the perspective of the female. So, so there's a little bit of match. We're trying to find those artists that have that hybridity between story and technology, but we're also connect, creating relationships for those kind of sparks of innovation to emerge as well.
0: How do you bridge these different types of disciplines?
1: I think it's about getting people in the room. I mean, up at the lab specifically, it's it's just amazing kind of the way that people bring their their expertise, but they also bring it with, with humility because everybody, we set the expectation at the front that this is a place of generosity and it's a place of humility because none of us really have any expertise in whatever is that next, uh, you know, kind of frontier of storytelling. We, we really are all figuring it out and we're all gonna fail. And, you know, setting that expectation of failure is a good thing and, and iterative, you know, building and refining is a good thing is also helpful with that. But like, for example, we brought Tracy Fullerton, who is the head of the innovation uh, game lab at USC an incredibly well-respected game designer. She's been doing this forever. She's, you know, pioneered kind of modes of games that bring you into these you know, like Journey and and helping uh, Jenova Chen, uh, you know, was one of his mentors who did Flower. I mean, just a very different kind of way of approaching uh, gaming and and the experience of it. Um, So we brought her to the lab with a project she'd been working on for years called Walden, a game. And this project puts you in the perspective of Thoreau at Walden Pond for a year. And it's incredibly meditative. It's gorgeous aesthetically. And she had all of the assets built out. She had the kind of you know mechanics of the game all built out, but she had no story, and and it was like kind of the perfect time to bring her there. And it was just phenomenal to hear the conversation about how do you, when do you make things about um, the like for example. We cracked open that this was really a story of grief because Thoreau and Emerson had both lost somebody the year before, and Tracy had described, you know, her own grief and like. So they were able to find something a layer deeper. What is the relationship with Thoreau to his sister, and how does she come in, and how does she influence that year? And when does he stay isolated, and when does he go to, into town and connect with somebody? And one of the most, I think, um, valuable sources of um, kind of advisement to her was the experiment was a one our theater uh, creative dra- uh, advisor who comes from uh, experimental theater Kevin kolke out of NYU and he had just an incredible idea about how to create um, story in gaming not having any background in gaming whatsoever that I thought brought a new perspective we had we had amazing game designers there as well including Torfi from Eve uh, eve franchise the creative director of the E franchise and uh susan who did bioshock and you know all these incredibly a- amazing commercial games um and they obviously brought incredible value as well but it was just interesting to see where if you bring somebody that's coming from a different field all completely they can maybe open up some of the blind spots um, that you know when you're in the room with the people that have similar experiences that, as you may not be able to crack open quite
0: the same way and I like what you said that you can't be afraid of failing because you're developing entirely new language uh, around emerging mediums like VR and if everybody was like we have to be perfect we have to knock it out of the park there'd be a huge problem I mean
1: honestly if we if we don't allow that environment of, of you know failure being acceptable then, then we'll paralyze ourselves um, in, in many ways and not be able to find those things and one of the examples of that is uh kind of the origin story of vr for for sundance and for new frontier um being you know shari freelo the curator of new frontier uh going to noni de la pena's studio back in 2011 and experiencing hunger in los angeles um for the first time and and really being blown away by it and in the especially the kind of the emotional place that she was able to get with recreating this experience of of a of a homeless or you know low income person that was on a food line uh, in L.A. and went into a diabetic coma uh, because the lines were too long and the food banks were running out of food, um, and and just she was just like really impressed by the emotional um, kind of level that that project was able to bring her to and yet it was a, at that time the the concept of bringing that to a film festival to a place where you have to get 40,000 people <laughs> you know through experiences and you, you you do that through you know exhibitions where you can have hundreds of people walk through and see work at the same time or you do that through screenings where you have hundreds of people in a room together to bring this idea of bring, bringing a project that only one person at a time could experience felt ludicrous um, but Shari took the risk because she said, I don't care if it fails and I don't care if nobody gets it. You know, it may completely not work. And like, we might only get, you know, such a small portion of the, of the community through it that it's not even worth it. But we have to bring it because something is happening here that is different than the other mediums. And if we don't at least give the opportunity for that to see the creative thinking of this community that Sundance attracts, then we failed. Already, so you know, so that that risk of failure kind of has two prongs, right? There's that I don't want to take a risk, and then you maybe miss out on that next wave of innovation. Um, You know, that I think the failure can can be uh, weighted on either side of, you know, saying yes or saying no. So I think, and then of course, as you know, uh, Palmer Lucky was Noni's intern, and when it got into Sundance, they knew that they couldn't bring the equipment from USC. To Sundance, it was a fifty thousand, you know, uh, dollar uh, headset, and it was just too unwieldy to bring into this kind of mobile, smaller experience. And so Palmer pushed his creative, you know, um, put on his creative thinking cap and figured out how to, to to make it mobile, and and that was the prototype for the Oculus Rift. So I think that's why it's so important to create those spaces for failure and to take those kinds of risks and to. And to always, and, and not just for anything. I mean, I think that they're the whole point of, for us, at least at, at Sundance is, you know, the experience, even if the technology is completely invisible, it's, it should be about what the artist wants the others or wants to, what the story world they wanna create, what the construct they want, uh, you know, people to participate in or just to go on the ride with them, trying to achieve that vision and the technology is just the tools to get us there, um, but that vision has to be strong. For you know, I think that's that's what drives. We always say we follow the artists. Uh, we don't follow the technology even. Like, you know, there was a point where there was new technology. I won't say what that was. Really getting a lot of hype and buzz, and and I was getting excited about it. And then when I experienced it, I was like, oh, I I don't know. I I don't. I'm not. I don't know how this would be utilized for. Um, story and and inevitably it became a challenge. It wasn't something that was yet. Maybe maybe I could eat my own hat in a few years and people can find a, a use for it but you know there's some things that you kind of you know don't necessarily enable what you want and then sometimes something comes along like virtual reality uh, and you go oh this this is hitting a core
0: so at Sundance everybody's gathering around they're at a dinner table and they're talking about VR what's the discussion around the short-term goal for VR and long term at the new Frontier lab good question I mean
1: first I should you know kind of reiterate
0: that we do follow the artists we don't
1: set an agenda and then try to kind of um, encourage artists to meet to like you know, kind of force fit their practice into that agenda. So we're always letting the artists find their way with a new technology and, and then once something starts to spark, once they start to have that kernel of idea, then we can help support the vision. So I don't think that we're, you know, sitting in a room going, Oh, VR is gonna like kind of projecting. We're not futurists. We definitely try not to uh, communicate that we think that we're futurist. We really feel like we're nowist, and it's really about looking at what is happening now. What is the cutting edge of right now? Um, so in that re- that respect, I would hesitate to try to even pretend that we're going to start predicting what the future is. Of course, we're tracking the field, and we're seeing, you know, projections um, from Digi Capital that states that. You know, VR is going to be a $30 billion industry in the next five years, whereas augmented reality, $120 billion industry. Like those things are informative, and we're definitely looking at that. We're also looking at the technology that comes that's coming down the pipeline, and going, "Oh, okay, this is something that we're tracking. We're starting to see artists adopt it." One thing that we do hope to do more of is giving artists exposure to pipeline technology, not just stuff as it hits market, so that they can start experimenting with stuff and finding uses that might inform the designers uh, as well. So there could be more of a co-design even earlier on in the process um, between those technologists and the the creatives that may use it to enable their creative vision. Um, But in terms of VR, I mean, I think we definitely are excited Having seen it grow from you know grow from that 2011 place where Shari was in that studio with Nuno de la Peña to bringing it in 2014 with uh, sound and vision by Chris Milk and Clouds by Jonathan Menard and James George and Eve Online's uh, Eve Valkyrie and even then like 2014 Shari was having a hard time finding content and she actually you know had a conversation with Chris and he ported a 360 uh, you know concert of Beck. That was meant for um, a WebGL experience on Chrome, not for VR. He ported that. He translated that experience into VR uh, with the DK. I don't even know if it was DK1 or DK2. And then, um, same thing with Clouds. She programmed Clouds as a connect a connect-based interactive documentary where you use you know your, the motion of your body to kind of navigate into the different choices into content of, of the Clouds documentary. And she encouraged them to consider doing it on VR. And so they did. And that became one of those kind of early experiments in in um, documentary in, in that virtual reality space. And then, of course, in 2015, a year later, artists started adopting more. There was a lot more choices. And she was able to create this array of artists that and it was a very unique, you know, to see people bring their previous practice to the first experimentations and how stories should be made in VR. You know, like with uh, Dan Fung Dennis as a journalist bringing kind of that aesthetic to what he was doing. Noni de la Pena bringing what she did with Second Life immersive journalism and trying to translate that now into VR. So in the beginning, you're, you're seeing people kind of take what their strengths are and translate it into these new mediums and then start to have this great conversation across. I mean, You know right before the 2015 sundance film festival i got an opportunity to be a moderator for a panel at oculus connect and i had chris milk and Ikareem el Hassan from kite and lightning and paul from felix and paul on on the panel and afterwards joe chin who was uh, at oculus at that time now he's at verse working with chris and aaron he um invited us up to a suite in the hotel where the conference was being held uh, and we had, we were able to, you know, with with Sashka unsailed from, from uh, you know Oculus Story Studio now, which is all these people that even at that time, the the kind of weight of what they were going to be bringing to this new medium wasn't even fully identified, got a chance to sit with Werner Herzog for a couple of hours and do get demos of the of the um, Crescent Bay and kind of see what the which is just makes DK two look like you know elementary school, because it just really um, brings the, you know, at least at that time like this, what the promise of VR is. We got a chance to experience it. And, and with somebody who is, you know, one of the kind of, you know, uh, leading um, thought leaders in terms of film and, and breaking open cinematic language and finding new ways, Herzog and just being able to have a conversation with him and have him kind of out loud in real time talk about, oh, this is never going to work in VR. And then after, you know, 20 minutes later, he's like, actually, it might work if this. And you just I see this incredible brainstorming collaboration happening between people that are coming from very different previous practices. And I think that's one of the exciting parts of this time is, is having, you know, these these conversations around first-person shooters. Is that really working? Huh, doesn't look like it's really working. Actually, these very kind of... Um, Experiences where, like, I got a chance to see uh, Penrose, a AR, VR company that launched uh, during Tribeca, got a chance to see their short film about The Little Prince. And it was so simple and so um, uh, captivating uh, just because you got an opportunity to to be inside of the world of The Little Prince that we that so many of us grew up on and so many of us had imagined in our head and to kind of feel like you're... On the planet with him, and you're in this very meditative space, was is very different than like an achievement. Um, some, you know, some of the kind of achievement-based uh, experiences that we've grown up on in gaming. I know that that will be a huge part of this, and I'm very excited about that as well. But it's nice to see the diversity and all that. You know, just over the last 10, 12 months, just being in those conversations and those moments where those discoveries. Uh, are happening has been really thrilling.
0: With all that uh, attention and you know excitement around this space, how much should film schools invest in VR?
1: Um, honestly, I think that it's definitely worth the investment. I don't, you know, how much I, I mean time, energy,
0: to- resources, everything, just to get um, all these young students yeah. up to snuff with this uh, emerging mm. medium.
1: Well, I think that we're, we're going to see a diverse media landscape going forward. You know, I don't think that uh, film is going away anytime soon. I think that it's still a critical skill set for those that want to tell story in a cinematic way. But I do believe just like coding is a critical skill now <laughs> that I think film schools need to be investing in coding regardless of, you know, you know um, whether it's VR, you know, for Internet of Things, the, you know, but I do think that we're going to be moving to the, the trend that has not changed the whole time that I've been in this field uh, has been more and more and more pushes to immersion, um, you know, just... That has not changed, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So the idea of teaching people how to tell stories that in an immersive way, I think that can be translated into VR, into AR, in into even into traditional film, um, or into transmedia designs, into kind of mixed reality designs. But but I think that that's something that's a skill set, and there's a there's a kind of a convergence between the 40 years of knowledge that game makers have been. Uh, innovating in terms of story world building and the kind of depth of emotion and character and dramatic arc that filmmakers have been able to um, capture and storytellers, especially with the medium of the intimacy that film brings, I think there's we're starting to see those two worlds start to converge where filmmakers are having to learn, especially in 360, how to build a world that people can be inside instead of, you know, stand outside of as a voyeur. And, I, and game, game game makers have been doing that for a long time. However, you know, there's always been kind of a challenge of how do you deepen people, uh, audiences with that kind of agency in your story world into these emotional, how do you make them more complicit? How do you make them, the stakes higher? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously in gameplay, especially when you're shooting people and people are dying, the idea of death and some of those high stake ideas are there. But the the weight of them may not, um, that filmmakers give, those kinds of human moments may not have uh, been a ch- kind of fully um, developed in, in some of the kind of games that we're used to in more mainstream uh, kind of gaming culture. And so I think there's just a lot of convergence happening between filmmaking and game. And I think 360 is definitely a space, especially now with new work like, like the Crescent Bay, Prototype that experience where you do feel a sense of presence and that you actually can kind of move in the world in a different way and in a way that kind of also even feels rea- where the world reacts to you as a presence, not just kind of you being a, a voyeur, in a, even though it's a 360, but kind of just being there as like a ghost. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I'm sorry, say your question again. I kind of want to down a Oh, of course. Hole there. Uh,
0: VR being obviously building out as this new technology. I mean, if it's a moving target in 10 years, does a student now look at that as their, uh, their next project, They're producing and writing for the space? Yeah.
1: I definitely think if I were, I can put it this way, if I were a student in film school right now, I would want not only to un- have some grounding in how to make a traditional film, but I would want to have some grounding in, in how to build out story worlds, I would want to have grounding in uh, how to make a VR, an AR experience. And I'd want to understand how to have at least a good conversation with coders and creative technologists Um, because I I do think that immersion is going to continue. That People are going to keep reaching for those deeper uh, immersive spaces. I think that um, with the I mean, just if you just follow kind of like the futurists of, of Microsoft and the futurists of Samsung. of what their vision of the world is, or even, you know, Facebook, where Mark Zuckerberg at the the annual meeting stated the future of social media, the communication mode of social media will be immersive video in five years, whereas now, you know, we started text, then it went to, you know, uh, pictures, and then now video and immersive video being the way that we communicate uh, the primary mode of communication for social media in 5 years that's going to have impact on how we, our whole cultural framework is around storytelling and communication and you know at new frontier we look at you know story i love this phrase that tab the jackson the head of the documentary film program at sundance she said story doesn't exist until it's been heard And I thought that was a really profound kind of way of defining stories. So there is inherent in story a communication component. You have to communicate something to some other being. It's not just something that you have within yourself only. And so if you look at the communication architecture and how it has evolved over the history of humanity, storytellers as that communication architecture changes, as, as the way that we communicate as, as a species changes. The storyteller has to find new ways to um, utilize that architecture for creating story story experiences, so that others experience the creative vision. Even if that creative vision is very much just designing the rules of engagement for you know a participatory or crowdsourced or you know uh, experience where you give over. The end result to your audience or to an algorithm, there's still something in the design of the process that has a creative, artistic origin. And so, I, I, yeah, I definitely think that film schools should invest in this space. And if you and I say all this because if you look at Samsung and Microsoft, particularly, a lot of what they're they're seeing AR is not just a place where you can you know see a cool comet come out of the sky into your neighborhood. Uh, it's you know with those kind of augmented reality overlays, they're seeing it as a new computing platform. You know where the idea of even hardware uh, like screens and keyboards and tablets and iPhones, I mean you know kind of like you know uh, that hardware may not be necessary for communicating in the future. Very Minority Report style, right? Yeah. So I don't you know I don't know how far away that is or if we will all adopt it and go there with those futurist visions. But if that is the case, if we're going to be existing in our communication, if our communication architecture is going to be no screen, if our communication architecture is going to be immersive, then we sure as heck better learn how to tell story in that with that communication architecture.
0: And uh, in a lot of ways, you're helping usher in a whole new group of creators. Like you look at early days of Sundance. All these really, like you know, innovative filmmakers and storytellers working with no budget and starting from scratch. And in a lot of ways, like these VR creators, that they're coming into the fray and they're using the new technology to get their word out and their ideas and their vision.
1: Yes, and I and I definitely want to iterate the idea of that independent uh, kind of um, don't you don't have to wait to have the hundred million dollar budget to start playing in the space. You know, I mean, I think the piece that we showed at Sundance with Rose and Morris. I think, yeah, you know, I don't know if I should be telling the budget, but the budget was very, very, very small and to- and self-produced. So, and they were able to actually do something profound. I mean, the the quality of that project was not as high as some of the other projects that were in exhibition, and and that was fine because what they were doing, they was, they were demonstrating. I had I had a, a one of the heads of one of the film studios in Hollywood came out of his experience of of perspective, and with you know tears in his eyes, and said, "Man, I, I just thought this medium was a roller coaster ride medium. I, I didn't know that it was a medium for heightened storytelling. And for him, that one, that was the first indication to him of the possibility of this beyond the kind of visceral roller coaster ride or thrill ride that VR also can create.
0: And it's not just yeah right the hundred million dollar filmmaker. It could be someone with a, a new idea as this technology." Uh, price point goes down, and there's more adoption.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, when you think about innovation and form, I mean, one of our favorite, like one of my one of my favorite New Frontier, you know, artist teams is uh, Jillian Mayer and and, Le- and Lucas Leva out of the Borscht Corp collective in Miami, and they do everything on micro budgets, and their stuff is just so innovative and so inventive. You know, I mean, they're 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 just using the language of kind of like this net native generation's, uh, you know, communication, um, you know, what they grew up on in terms of being wired from birth, because they're the, you know, the first generation to be wired from birth. I mean, the stuff that they're cracking open and the way that they're subverting the internet and the way that they're, you know, doing social commentary and the way that they're, um, I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. And it's on micro budgets. So it's not always about you know, and, and they're also inventing stuff. They're like one of the first people that got a DK, you know, wine kit and started hacking it and trying to figure out how to break it. So I love that culture. And I definitely, I mean, I know that a lot of your audience and a lot of the people that you interview come out of that space and are, you know, from that hacker aesthetic. And, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but, you know, I definitely don't, I, I think it's really important actually that nobody feels intimidated out of this space at this point because, you know, if this is the medium that, you know, it potentially could be, we definitely need to have a diversity of voices and, and creatives defining it at this point in its um, development. Because I think then we, we will, one, I think get there quicker as to understanding what this medium really is. And two, we're, it won't be necessarily narrow in what we think it is for as long you know it, it I, I think it's really critical to have those diverse voices um at this stage in the game
0: thanks for listening to another episode of hollywood 2.0 you can contact me on twitter at peter one